This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. Welcome. You're listening to Showtime with Coop podcast. Insightful BS by my Laker teammates and NBA legends. And we got one of the best in the house today. Uh, he is the true innovator of what they call being posterized. Uh, that's being dumped <laughs> and it goes into a big poster. We got the one and only, I'm going to call him because he's a friend of mine and, and yeah. a competitor, Dr. J, but I'm going to call him by his Julius Irving. Doc, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine, Michael. <laughs> Everybody hey. calls you Coop. Everybody <laughs> calls you Coop, and that's, you know, that, that's, that's the common uh, name in which they know you by. And you know the whole Cooper Loop thing, or whatever. You know, you you establish yourself too. You're a very special guy, and I always enjoy competing against you. Thank, thank you, Doc. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna just name out a couple of your accolades before we get started, uh, okay. uh, because there's a whole bunch of them. But you yeah. were 11 time NBA All Star from '97 to '87, five time ABA All Star, uh, mm-hmm. Walter J. <clears throat> Kennedy Citizenship Award winner in 1983. Doc, I won that, and I love that. That's probably one of my most precious awards there. Very special. Very Your number special. 32 is retired by the Brooklyn Nets. Your number six is retired by the Philadelphia 76ers. You are on the NBA 35th anniversary team. You're one of the 50 greatest players on the anniversary all time. And uh, point-wise, you 30,026 points for 24-point average. 10,000 rebounds plus some for 8.5 for your career and 5,176 assists for 4.2 for your career. And Doc, you know what that last one, the assist, I don't really chalk that up because if I'm throwing you the ball, I don't need you to throw it back to me. I need you to do what you do best <laughs> in that score. <laughs> they need to put it up. They need to put it up. Doc, right? is the family doing well? Yeah, family's doing well. Thanks for asking. You know, I got a son over at Cal Berkeley, so he's he's out there. He's a senior this year. And uh, as a matter of fact, I got two other sons out there, two daughters and five grandkids. And uh, here at home, uh, you know, I have a, a boy and a girl. Uh, so they're holding down the fort at home. So that's that's a pretty big family. And uh, family is everything. Family first, man. That's the way it should be. We have been blessed, haven't we? And and also want to say Happy belated birthday. You just turned 71 on the last 71, man. Yeah, I'm I'm catching somebody. But then (laughs) somebody else I'm leaving behind in the dust. (laughs) So, Doc, listen, real quick, let's get into this. Who were some of your role models growing up back in Nassau in New York? 
Yeah, well, in Nassau County, you know, the athletes, a lot of athletes from Long Island. Uh, Jim Brown is is from there, so I always heard about uh, his exploits. And, you know, when he left uh, Manhattan High School, went to Syracuse, and, and went on to be, you know, if not the greatest uh, NFL player in history, one of them. And, uh, you know, so he was, he was a guy. Uh, I had to walk past jumping Johnny Green's uh, house to get to school. And I heard oh, he, he was he was playing for the Knicks. Yeah, he used to always get those little tippins and you know blend in real well. He was a lefty, and uh, so so to see him play at Madison Square Garden, you know, was 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 pretty special. Uh, other than that, on Long Island, who else was out there? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, there's somebody I'm, I'm forgetting about. Who? Oh, John Mackey, John Mackey. Yeah, the wide the the, uh, the tight end. For the, uh, for, uh, for the Colts. Pittsburgh. And, you know, in his last days, I got a long car ride uh, with him that was recognizing he's from Long Island. And it's always uh, special to me because, you know, he had some dementia. He was repeating himself. But, you know, I was just listening like an eager white-eyed kid does, you know, when you're in the presence of somebody who is 10 years or more older than you who, is, who has done great things. So I always tried to be that guy to others and, um, you know, do some great things, achieve some things, and then, you know, spread the wealth and, and enjoy that, that feeling and also that understanding of what it takes to, to do those things uh, with the next generation. Doc, uh, and you know, it's, it's funny you would mention Mackey because I enjoyed him. He wore number 88 with the Colts. He's a tight yeah. end. Great, great player, man. Who, who was your nemesis? I had a nemesis growing up in high school, <laughs> a guy that I just couldn't beat. It was this guy named Mark Wolfmeyer. He was a uh-huh. white dude. And every time I saw this guy, he always gave me 35, 40 points in an eight-minute <laughs> game. This is before three-pointers, too. Who was well, that guy for well, you? Well, listen to his name, Wolfmeyer. <laughs> <laughs> That's intimidating right there. <laughs> I don't want to play against a guy named Whoopmeyer. <laughs> Who was your but, nemesis? Uh, but, but, you know, when I, I grew up uh, on Long Island, and uh, there was a very special player, a guy named Al Williams, who, who went to Niagara. Uh, first year there, he broke all of Calvin Murphy's uh, records. And uh, he was a two-sport athlete like Allen Iverson, played football and, and played basketball. Never lost a football game in his high school high school career. So he was, I thought we were going to be teammates because we grew up together through eighth grade. And then I moved to another community and suddenly he was on the other team. So this was my boy. And and suddenly, uh, you know, I had to, had to face him and he was a little guy, like five ten, five eleven, or whatever, but, but very special, very much uh, like AI. There was a guy named Bill Chamberlain uh, who was in the same class that I was in, and he went to a private school on Long Island. It was called Long Island Lutheran. You know, he was six six. You know, when we were we were juniors, I was like six two and a half, or whatever. So he was not a guy who I could really do anything with. He he got a scholarship to North Carolina, became an All American, an MVP in the NIT, and I, I think you know the pro the pro life just wasn't uh, suited for him. He got injured, got some injuries and whatever, and, and didn't advance. So, you know, there's something about growing and blossoming late as opposed to early, you know, because, I mean, I, I, I can name a half a dozen guys who at age 12 or 13, they could do everything I've seen anybody do on a basketball court, and they yep. were still doing 
same thing at 16 and doing the same thing at 20 and they hadn't grown any <laughs> or whatever. So there's something to being a late bloomer. Well, you know, Doc, I, I consider myself a late bloomer. I was uh, probably about six feet, six one in high school as a senior. I, always, mm. I was blessed with athleticism, but mm. I had a growing spurt. Uh, I hit my growing spurt my first year in college. I went to junior college. I grew like four inches that summer. Were your right. hands and arms always that long and that big? Yeah, well, you know, I was six, three and a half when I came out of high school. So I grew three inches and gained 30 pounds in college. But I always had the big mitts. I always had uh, big <laughs> mitts and, 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 and had fun using them. And I always had big shoes, which meant I had to wear shoes and sneakers for a long time. Because shoes cost a lot of money, and, and, and with my so mom, hand me downs from somebody else. <laughs> hey, my mom raising three kids. Uh, you know, it, 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 we didn't have a whole lot of money for shoes and sneakers, so uh, that was that was part of the hustle. Remember the first the- time you dunked? The NBA season is back. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get in on the action at exclusive partner BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code CLNS50 to get your 50% bonus. That's 50% extra cash at sign up with code CLNS50. Get insights into all the NBA action across the season, plus all sports professions, collegiate as well as pop culture, and even reality television wagering. Don't sit on the sideline anymore. Get in on the fun, in-season action at BetOnline. Don't forget to use my special Michael Cooper promo code of CLNS50 to get a 50% sign-up bonus with your first deposit. Bet online today at betonline.ag, your online sports book expert. The first time I dunked was on an eight-foot basket in my, at my elementary school. And on one side, they had an eight-foot basket. The other side, they had a nine-foot basket. So we used to kill that eight-foot basket. <laughs> a nine-foot basket used to kill us. And then finally we got it. You know, we started killing the nine-foot basket and then eventually led to the 10-foot basket. But by the time I got to the 10-foot basket, I had all kinds of tricks, you know, inside out, switching hands, around the back, over the head. I had all kinds of tricks from dunking on those lower baskets. So there's a note to You develop your creativity on them lower baskets. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without the risk of falling from 10 feet, right? (laughs) Could you always palm a ball, Doc? I mean, because I used to do it with a tennis ball. I couldn't palm a basketball. <laughs> no? Oh, man, all those moves I saw you making, flying in the air, stuff, you couldn't palm God a ball? Imagine, imagine if you could palm it, man. <laughs> How much of a difference that would have made. So it, it was some advantages. And, you know, I remember Rick Barry and Bill Russell doing a, comp, uh, a, a cast of a uh, show, a, a basketball game. And Rick Barry said, oh, man, there's Dr. J. He, man, he can do all that tricky stuff because he got big hands. And Bill said, I got big hands and I can't do it. <laughs> so <laughs> well, I don't think it's just the big hands. I think you need to, you know, refine them and use them. And big hands are a blessing, but you still need to learn how to use them. Oh, for sure. For sure. So, Doc, you go through high school, you get to college, you only spend, what, a year or two in college, and then you jump, make the jump, and go to the ABA. Why? Yeah, Yeah. three years in college, because I went there as a student athlete, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to get my degree. So, freshman year, we played freshman basketball. Our team was 17 and 0, so we were really good. Then the next year, we were 18 and 6. 
didn't get an NCAA bid, but we went to the NIT. We lost to the eventual champions who were the North Carolina Tar Heels, and they had that guy, Bill Chamberlain, on the team, and he was MVP. And then the next year, we were uh, 20, 23 and two, and got snubbed by the NCAA. So we went back to the NIT and uh, we played Marquette. And they beat us. And, they, and Marquette won the tournament that year, and North Carolina also won the tournament. Uh, the hey, hey, Doc, Doc, let, let, me, let, me, let me interrupt you for a quick second. I want you to go back to something you said that was important for our younger listeners about the fact of being a student athlete going yeah. to school. Why was that important for you? Yeah, to- so, so, you know, I promised my mom, I said, you know, when I was tempted to sign and I got an offer, I said, Mom, I'm going to finish college because I, 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 you'd always taught me to finish what you start. And I said, I don't know how long it's going to take, but uh, I'm not giving up on pursuing my degree. And she was an educator as well. So, so she knew the importance of it. So I left after my junior year and then I just needed to make up a year. And so, you know, I didn't elect to go to summer school and I kind of lollygagged around a little bit, you know, just uh, showcasing my newfound fame as a professional athlete. And then it hit me one day, man, you need to go ahead and get your degree. You need to finish. And so they had a university without walls program. And UMass was one of the schools that I think were there in the beginning, the founders of that particular program. And I got through, man, I got through, I had to do papers and I had to do research. They allowed for some of uh, what I did professionally to count as credit towards the degree. And then I marched with the class of 86. Congratulations, Came out with the class of of, uh, 86, and and that was a proud moment for my family and for me. Doc, how old were you then? Well, it was 18 years, so I was 36. So I was 36, yeah. So you make the jump to the ABA. What was that like uh, for you joining a new league, the red and white basketball? It wasn't the NBA. (laughs) What was that like for you? Yeah, um, you know, I think it was a pretty good step in my evolution as a person and as an athlete. Uh, going going to the ABA for me, I mean, I I I thought it was an honor to be a pro. You know, I, I wasn't one of those guys walking around, you know, with my chest pumped out. I mean, I averaged my last year of college, I averaged like you know twenty seven points and twenty rebounds or whatever. So I'm on that short list of people who in their college career averaged more than 20 points a game and more than 20 rebounds. And just to mention those two stats. So the way it affected me was I, I just did my job when I got out there, you know, and I was chasing the ball and uh, scored the ball. Guards were jacking it up. I get rebound, put them back up, <laughs> put them back in, you know, the same way you saw, the same way you saw me play. So, um, you know, what did that, what did that mean? I mean, it, it just meant that, okay, I was uh, one of the lucky ones who got a chance to go play college basketball. And then when they came after me, when the ABA came after me, um, you know, it, it, there was some discovery because, you know, I'm like, well, you know, they come and they think I'm good enough to, to, to make their team and play on their team and, you know, let's give it a shot. So I wasn't ego tripping. I was success driven, but not ego tripping. And when I went down to camp, um, actually before I went to camp, I played in the summer league, the pro summer league. 
And when I played in the pro summer league, because I had signed a contract, that was a revelation for me because now I was playing with grown men and playing for real and, you know, basically, you know, playing with guys who got paid to do this. Yeah. So I had a successful tour with the Rucker League in New York, the pro league. They actually gave me my nickname of Dr. J. Um, what you think of that, Doc? When they yeah. gave you that, what did you think of that? Well, they, they were calling me the Claw, and they was calling me Black Moses, and, you know, all these different names. And I was like, well, you know, the doctor's been my name for a long time with my high school buddies and college buddies. So Dr. J evolved out of the doctor instead of being called those other things. And, and then when I went to training camp, you know, after the first couple of scrimmages, because it was a free agent camp, the trainer said, to the coach, Al Bianchi said, you know, you need to sit him down because these guys, they're going to try to hurt him, you know, because I was dunking on him and I was, you know, <laughs> I was I was doing my thing. That's the big afro. Don't forget that. <laughs> taking it, bacon and taking it hard to the rack. He said, they're going to they take him out. So they took me out the game. And for most of the training camp, I sat as opposed to playing, you know. So that was the difference between the ABA too because it was, you know, the more liberal – and open-minded and things weren't you know lines and columns it was it was more creativity and George Gervin always talks about that Charlie Scott you know started over in the ABA Rick Barry Artis Gilmore Dan Issel George McGinnis you know just just a lot of guys who I think starting their careers uh there did make a difference because you know you weren't you weren't ego trip all right it's crazy to think about how the ABA situation with you went versus like how stars of the NBA have it today. <laughs> like, so you had yeah, to right. fight with the owner of the Squires to talk. I mean, it was just incredible. <laughs> yeah. The ownership in the, in the ABA, uh, Earl Foreman owned our team and, and, uh, you know, they had some wild and woolly guys all across the league, Roy Ball and the Nets and uh, Oakland Oaks, uh, Pat Boone owned the, the Oakland Oaks. And, you know, I mean, Larry Keenan. Larry uh, Keenan. Yeah, Larry Larry was a teammate in New York. So that, that was like my third year when we drafted Larry Keenan. And we had Keenan Williamson, John Williamson and Larry Keenan. And you know, both of them were, you know, awesome, awesome ball players. And, and they were treated, they're kind of treated differently because they went to the ABA. And the reality of it is, you know, you come out of college, whether you go ABA or NBA, it really, really shouldn't matter. But, you know, they, you know, they're suppressing the stats and all that kind of stuff. But but you got it right in terms of, you know, giving me the props with the 30,000 points and 16 all-star games instead of, you know, just limiting it to the, to the NBA. So I do appreciate that because, you know, everybody doesn't do that. You're listening to Showtime with Coop podcast, and we got the one and only Dr. J. Doc, we're at the point now of what I call Coop's lightning round. I'm going to give you some names, and you can talk about them as long or as short as you want to, okay? Mm -hmm. First name, Billy Cunningham. Well, Billy was a great player, great coach, uh, Hall of Fame. Every aspect of his game was um, uh, worthy of note. He was the type of guy who bring people out of their seats. That's why they call him the kangaroo kid. <laughs> That's right. Oscar Robertson. Oscar, best all around, all time. You know, my all time 
uh, great player. When I when I name my starting five for all time, I go back to when I was 15 years old, and Oscar's the captain of that team. The late great and my personal friend uh, Moses Malone. Well, Big Mo, uh, all in everything. I mean, when Mo got to town, you know, suddenly I think Maurice Cheeks said it best. He said, "I think we got a chance of winning every night," you know, and. Very few teams have that mentality where every night you figure, well, we got a good chance of winning this game, even if we don't play well. So that was that 83 team. And, and uh, you know, Moses was, uh, was the, you know, he was, he was the mountain. And we, you know, climbed, climbed on his shoulders. And, you know, all of us who were good players, I think uh, the Los Angeles hosted the All-Star game that year. Yeah. And we had uh, – had myself and Cheeks and Tony and Moses. And maybe there was an argument for Bobby Jones to, to be on the all-star team representing the East because he was the best defensive player in the East and whatever. So with four guys uh, repping uh, that year, that, that, that year was a blessing. And Moses was truly a blessing. Willie Sojourner. Oh, man. Now, now, now you're talking about ABA. <laughs> You know, Willie and I came in together. We roomed together. And, you know, he came out of Weber State. So he was in kind of a little bit of a big-time basketball program. He was their first draft pick. And, you know, they had high expectations of him. And uh, and I just loved him, man. He's, he taught me a lot about Philadelphia before I even became, you know, involved uh, with Philadelphia. And him and Mike Sojourner, you know, they were, they were a little kooky. Or whatever, but uh, he had a nice touch. He, you know, it's 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 a. Uh, I look at Joel and B, man. He's like the second coming of Willie Soldier. He got those soft wow. hands, move wow. outside, and uh, that that's how good Willie was you know, to compare him to a young rising star like B. Um, the uh, Medgar Evers. Medgar Evers. Now, I I played in the Mega Evers league but never met him because, you know, generation uh, before me, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, I think their league was in Chicago. Um, uh, so I don't know a whole lot about him personally that I could, I could talk about in terms of never having met him. Uh, David Stern. Uh, David, you know, the NBA is so indebted to, to David for figuring something out that was right in front of everybody for decades and just in terms of how to make this thing work, how to make the melting pot, uh, which is the NBA an association uh, for one and for all that could benefit one and for all forever. uh, He should be given credit for that. The late and probably one of the zaniest people that you've ever played with, but never played the NBA, the late Daryl Dawkins. Well, he did play in the NBA because he was my teammate in Philly, and we we played for the NBA championship uh, three times in six years. And uh, and and as you know, uh, we were runner-ups <laughs> in, in those six years. So he so he had his championship experience uh, when he left uh, the Philly and went to the Nets. You know, he played the second half of his career. So I think he only played with two teams. And this was a phenomenal guy, a prodigy coming out of high school and going straight to the pros from high school. Quick wit, great sense of humor, 
special guy who was a character on and off the court, and especially on the bus rides down down to to Maryland or the bus rides to New York from Philly. <laughs> uh, Sonny Hill. Well, you know, Sonny Sonny's a genius, man. He's I I, I never saw him play, but I just heard stories mostly from him <laughs> about how good he about how good he was and. He had to be able to do some of the things that he said. <laughs> so he was, uh, Doc, uh, this, this last person, and I only bring him up because it used to, I, I mean, I love him, but it used to just pain me because every time he played the national anthem, you guys beat us. The late Grover Washington. Yeah, yeah, this is the last guy we're going to be able to talk about because I got a four o'clock. Yep, yep, yep. All right. But uh, Grover Washington Jr. was a good, good friend. Uh, special in so many ways, uh, not only musically, but I remember the composition that he did during one of our games uh, called Let It Flow for Dr. J and got a chance to share time with his family, uh, you know, his kids, uh, Shana and Lil Grover. Uh, we used to shoot pool, we used to, you know, play tennis and uh, try to play a little basketball, although I had a high Last thing for Doc, the dunk on Michael Cooper. What was your thoughts when that play started happening? And was that probably your best dunk that you've ever done? Hey, fellas, let's talk about something we can all use more of right now. Sex. And I mean great sex. Guys, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, so you can be ready whenever she wants that time to happen. Blue Chew is made in the U.S. It's prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor or wait in those tedious long lines. It's even cheaper than a pharmacy, and they prepare and ship it right to you in a discreet package, no awkwardness, and you don't even have to leave the house. If you could benefit from more confidence when it counts, Blue Chew is a fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Right now, we got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code SHOWTIME. Just pay $5. Again, that's blue Chew. Dot com promo code showtime to try it free blue chew is the better cheaper choice and we thank our sponsor blue chew for this podcast and remember when you support our sponsors you can help make this podcast possible so please be sure to use our promo code showtime at bluechew.com that's showtime at bluechew.com and stay ready Last thing for Doc, the dunk on Michael Cooper. What was your <laughs> thoughts when that play started happening? And was that probably your best dunk that you've ever done? No, the best one was on Elvin Hayes. You got second place on this one, Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Thank you, Doc. Yeah, you got second place, man. You know, what were your thoughts when you're going to yeah, do that? You know, Cheeks chips the ball. I go and retrieve it. Uh, coming down the left sideline and, you know, seeing you seeing you out the corner of my eye, know what a good defensive player, a great defensive player you are, and probably uh, something you wanted to block. So, I don't know. I just – I kind of went into the float zone, 
you know, rocked the baby a little bit <laughs> and, and held it back. And really, when you jumped, I think it was a matter of waiting you out a little bit. And you got it. We were really like soaring in the air together. And it was really a nice feeling, a nice moment, although it happened so fast. And then, you know, you, you were getting so close to the rim, you ducked. You ducked. And, you know, next thing I know, kaboom. <laughs> and, you know, the move was just run back down the court and forever be entwined in one of the uh, better basketball players <laughs> in NBA history. <laughs> Doc, I'm going to tell you this before I let you go. By the thought process, and when you were going down there, I said, you know what? I got an opportunity to mm-hmm. block the greatest dunker that's ever played <laughs> in this game. And I said, you know what? If I can get to the rim before him and get turned, I'm going to block the shot. And the next yeah. thing I knew, by the time I got to the rim, you were on my back. And yeah. I said, you know what? Yeah, Let me you just get out of the way. You what? Shot. You had shot by, man. What you shot by? <laughs> then I just had an uh, easy one to the bank. I got to go, bro. Okay, Doc, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate you, man. It was blessing to you and everything, okay? All right, man. I'll see you this summer. Okay, see you, Doc. All right.